0: Hello, I'm Mark Weaver, President of Mark Weaver & Associates Interior Design. I'd like to invite you to our Instagram live series called Designers at Home. It's every other Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. It's a casual, informative, and exclusive discussion with renowned architects, interior designers, and artists from around the world. This half-hour podcast program is a recording of the live talk addressing all things design and architecture-related, along with personal anecdotes and inspiration. Guests have included Emmy-nominated set decorator Peter Gursky, one of America's leading sculptors Sabin Howard, renowned architect and artist Leo Marmel, and art advisor extraordinaire Barbara Guggenheim. We look forward to you joining us. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Designers at Home. I'm Mark Weaver. It's nice to have you joining us this morning. Um, I hope everyone is uh, having a good 2021. Um, Our guest this morning is a young designer. And um, I was thinking about this a little earlier and during the inauguration, um, I think the most moving part of the inauguration for me was um, listening to Amanda Gorman, the young uh, poet laureate. And her, her talk or her poem of patriotism and hope was so epic and so moving. I think it's really um, a significant time in history. And, and I'm sure most of you had heard that. So if you haven't, I hope you listened. Um, here is Ryan, who is going to join us. So, um, the reason I mention that is Ryan is a very young designer, and I think it's always great. Hi, Ryan, how are you? Hi, how are you? Wonderful. It's nice to have you. So, I was just saying it's great to have um, a young designer, and because it always brings in a different perspective. You and I are from different generations, and our approach to, to design and our sense of aesthetics is very different, but it's always wonderful to see what um, young people have what their ideas are and what their approach is and it's always great because it it shakes up things and it revitalizes things so i think it's wonderful to have you on this morning thanks thank you for having me so i wanted to just um give people just a little brief bio if you can sit there for a second (laughs) patiently Um, ryan got his bachelor of science degree at the um um, interior and in, in interior architecture at the Art Institute of um, Design and he started his own design firm at the young age of 21 and he's since become one of the um, uh, top young designers in Los Angeles um, he stands out for his fluency and vintage decadent Hollywood styles He opened his flagship showroom on Robertson Boulevard in Los Angeles about four years ago. And he'll talk a little bit about it and show us some things from his collection. And um, his work has been featured in Architectural Digest, El Decor, Vogue, and several other magazines. Um, He's the youngest designer to be awarded the Interior Designer of the Year by the City of Los Angeles. And um, we'll talk also a little bit about um, his voice, which, um, is a voice for young people who are buoyed by his message of self empowerment, um, self-expression, equality, and self-worth. I think that's very admirable. So thanks for coming on, Ryan. Thank you for having me. that was so nice, that introduction. Okay. So, um, you know, you, you like, like myself, you live and breathe design. Yeah. So, um, How did this passion of yours come about at such a young age? Were you aware of design as a young man? Far back as I remember,
1: I was always redecorating the house. I was rearranging my mom's drapes, moving furniture around to the point where it was quite irritating for her. I remember one of my aunts would literally say to me before we would go over for like Shabbat dinner, "Um, Ryan, when you come here, you're not allowed to move any furniture and you're not allowed to So as far back as I can remember, that's what I was doing. But um, I didn't know it was a career exactly. I didn't know what a designer was. I always make a joke thinking that, um, saying that I wanted to be like a housekeeper or a maid, because every time she would be cleaning the house, I would just be cleaning with her and arranging and putting things together. And I'm like, oh, this is what I wanna do. I wanna be a a housekeeper. But um, it wasn't until I got a little bit older and I started to see that it was a career, especially on, in movies and stuff. I realized that it's what I wanted to do. There was no other idea in my mind for any other type of career.
0: And how did you select the college that you went to to study design? Because I know a lot of the young people watching this, it's going to be interesting to know why you selected um, the college that you did. <laughs> well, I knew that I wanted to be an interior designer in LA.
1: So I knew that I wanted to go to school here so that I would have a major head start and build my connections here in the city that I wanted to ultimately open the firm in. And I also knew so that I knew I wanted the school to be here. And I also wanted to be prepared for any rainy day if I didn't get clients or I wasn't capable of launching my own company. And if I had to work for a big architecture firm what do they look for when they want to hire an interior designer to work at their firm and every company I spoke to like Gensler or Perkinson Wills said that um, you have to have a degree that's been accredited by the Council for Interior Design Accreditation, CEDA, and the only schools here in LA that were and that offered a bachelor's were Cal State Northridge, the Art Institute of California, and UCLA Extension. Mm-hmm. But Extension, which would have been my First choice was only an AA, and I needed a bachelor's because I was just graduating high school. I wanted to get my bachelor's degree. Um, I chose the Art Institute over Northridge solely because Northridge is a public school and they were so overbooked and they had so many students. Um, people said you might not be able to get any classes and it'll take a lot longer to graduate, so the Art Institute it was.
0: And good, good. So your work is primarily residential mm-hmm. and, um, but you do both. Uh, I associated you with, you know, modern contemporary design, but you do both traditional and contemporary design, right? Yeah, the older I get, the more I like traditional. It's funny.
1: Cause I grew up with very traditional interiors around me uh, and I was always wanting the antithesis of that, but I, <laughs> I think the more you educate yourself on the actual career and the history of it, the more appreciation you have for antiquities and historic pieces of furniture. And I think that's whenever the appreciation kind of starts influencing your taste and with the So
0: you you have a a strong interest I know in history. Mm -hmm. And you said you have a love of history. You know, um, Eleanor Schrader from um, UCLA um, she did a lecture recently that I listened to. It's about an hour long. And she takes this from, I think, the oh, um, Elizabethan period to the current. It was about 130 years of design. And it was just a brilliant, brilliant talk. And of course, you know, you can't cover thoroughly 130 years in an hour, but she gave us, gave us a synopsis of it. And it's interesting the effect that history has had on, Design and vice versa. So, um, how do you see um, your sense of history? How has it affected your design?
1: My sense of history affecting my design. I'll look. You know, I don't. It hasn't affected me, but it's definitely when a trend comes back in. For example. Um, I wasn't alive in the eighties or in the sixties, but when the trend comes back in, I'm so well aware of it and where it came from and how it started because of my knowledge of history. I'll never forget in my um, furniture history class whenever we were doing modernism and they were teaching us about Pierre, not Pierre Augustine, sorry. Um, oh my God. What is it? What is it? Jean Ray, Pierre Jean Ray and Jean Royer and all the cane, I hated cane. I used to look at those chairs and I'd be like, this is, (laughs) I will never in my life use cane. You could never get me to use cane. And I was studying, I mean, any interior design student from like 2005 to 2010 would tell you their favorite designer at that time was probably like Kelly Worcester or Jonathan Adler. Everybody was about the glitz and the Hollywood Regency. And it's just so funny that now 10 years later Everyone is doing cane. Everybody is doing genre and Jean Royer. and I'm like, oh my god! Now I love it. Now I changed my own dining chairs. Right, um, but I know where it came from and where it started from, and I think that's the only difference, um, which is actually a big advantage. It's very advantageous knowing your history, and I think that's what makes when you have knowledge of furniture history and you have knowledge of all of this your ability to mix and juxtapose and make an eclectic interior with the and let's admit there is a science to interior design really understanding that um that's when a space becomes beautiful and that level of self-expression that's all around you is really well done versus just going and buying stuff and making it look look like a thrift shop right
0: So I think um, the most beneficial class that I had when I was in design school was the history of furniture. And um, this was in the 60s. um, And I wasn't interested in traditional um, furnishings. I wasn't interested in antiques at all. I was interested in modern. At the time, um, the influences for me were uh, like a designer in New York, Jay Spector. And... um, but I went to work for a designer and they also had an antique showroom and that exposed me to antiques and the class that I had taken in college, the history of antique furniture gave me a background. So I was familiar with these items and in dealing with these on a daily basis, I began to love this and it was just the exposure. And I think that's also what you and I bring to our clients is we may not like a particular thing for ourselves personally, But looking at a job and looking at objectively, um, if we're knowledgeable about the whole spectrum of design, we have a wealth of information that we have to offer them and, and make the project right and give it a signature that is ours, but make it personal for them too. And when you're a creative person, like we
1: are, you are always looking for the next thing. You know, I experience and I crave change and, I get tired of doing the same thing or looking at the same style. And even though like a Spanish colonial is like not my style, the opportunity to work on one, given my knowledge of that style of architecture is the funnest, best experience ever. And those are the types of projects that I crave. And I always say, I don't wanna be defined by a specific style, but I'd love to be defined by a specific formula.
0: Okay. So um, I, I want you to um, tell the story about when you were 15, um, you went to work for our friends, um, Jamie uh, and Ron at yeah. Woodson and Rummerfield. Yeah. So can you tell us about that? That's fun. So I was,
1: I'm not going to say I'm old and this was like the old days. I'm like 28 years old, but a lot has <laughs> A lot has happened in 13 years. And 13 years ago there wasn't Instagram and there really wasn't Facebook, it was MySpace. Um, websites were not that cool. There, I didn't have um, DVR. I think there was TiVo back then and not everybody had a TiVo. I don't know why I keep getting calls and I put it on Do Not Disturb. Um, can you call Danny? Tell him to stop call- calling me can you hear me? Are we okay? Sorry. Are we okay now? Can you? Yes, hear me? sure. Um, but I remember, I knew at this point, I'm gonna go into- and I started doing research. And it was the blog days, like when blogs were new. And I would look at this blog called the Dolce Vita blog, which was Paloma Contreras's blog. Now she's a designer as well. And she always used to post about, excuse this, a black man and a white woman. And I was just so infatuated by their dynamic. I thought they were married. And they always like popped out to me because of that high contrast of who they were this very tall, dark man and this small petite blonde woman, I thought they were married and I was in the closet. So I'm like, Oh my god, I could probably marry a girl. And we could start a company together. And I could be like Ron and Jamie. I was obsessed with their style and their aesthetic but their name was hard to remember. It was Woodson and Rummer Fields House of Design. That's like really long. It wasn't just Jamie and Ron. So I never memorized it. And I didn't have like an iPhone to like to search it up right away. So I'm like, oh fuck, I wish that I could like come across them again. I was watching Tori Spelling's show and she and her husband were going shopping at Ron and Jamie's store on La Cienega. And I'm like, oh my God, it's the, it's those, the, the guy and the girl again. And I quickly wrote their name down because I couldn't pause because I didn't have TiVo or anything. Quickly wrote the name down, Googled it. And I sent Jamie an email. I don't know if it was to their general inbox, but I said, I am obsessed with you guys. I have to work for you. I'm only in high school, I'm 15. I I don't have any experience, but I will do anything. I will sharpen your pencils. I will clean your toilets. I just have to work for you. And Jamie emailed me saying, this is the funniest email I've ever gotten. I would love to meet you. My mom dropped me off after school. Jamie said, well, I mean, what can you do? You don't know AutoCAD. You don't know Photoshop. You don't know any. Right. Mm -hmm. I'll just pour your coffee and I'll organize your library. I just want to be in this environment. And I was there for five years. I was an intern, moved my way up to design assistant. I was there throughout all of college. And now, looking back with a lot more perspective, it was definitely, they were... They were helping me in a a lot more ways than they actually know. I had, you know, the I don't want to say normal, but the normal 15-year-old guy is, you know, banging chicks and going to parties and is having a big, big social life. And I was in the closet and I was very much um, missing something in my life. And there was a void I needed to fill. Some people fill the void with food or with alcohol or with drugs or with rebellious behavior. And I filled it with work. I would leave school feeling one way and unseen and un- under, not understood, unheard. And I would go and enter this world where I felt valued and important and that I could add to this world or add to this business. And I, they don't know that I've never really told them that they've saved me in so many ways than one. but they really did and it was that environment that I really think shaped me into who I am today. She's, Jamie's the one who introduced me to Dorothy Draper. She right. talked to me mm-hmm. She showed me, this sounds so silly, but vintage tumblers and how to shop vintage and she was like that second mom I never, you know, had and I love her to death. We still are so close.
0: Well, that's, that's a wonderful story. And, you know, I think um, you will never forget the people that helped you on the way up. And I had a number of people and I think back over my career, the people that supported me and encouraged me. And um, as you know, I I lecture at UCLA. And the reason I do it is because I enjoy it so much. And I want to give these young people today exactly what you just we're talking about i want to give them the opportunity to listen to the knowledge and experience that i've accumulated and and i always say to them i hope that just even if it's just one sentence that i have given you to inspire you and move you and encourage you then then i've succeeded because i remember two or three sentences that different people had said to me during my career and it's what took me through bad periods. It's what encouraged me and made me move forward and give me confidence in myself. So I think that's wonderful. And then you'll get to a point in your career where you're gonna be doing the same thing for somebody else. You'll have the opportunity to give back. Yeah, and I want because it's an industry that,
1: and no disrespect, I love this industry. (laughs) And it's a little backwards. And it's not the most welcoming to young design talents. It's not like fashion in that way where they're all about the next best thing. The young designers, the Zach Posen's, the Alexander Wangs, and you just see these fresh talents every year in Fashion Week. Mm -hmm. And to to our industry's defense, it's a slower industry. It's not seasonal like fashion. It takes a good year for your end result product to be completed and photographed and published. But it's an intimidating field. The majority of the people are older. The majority of the people have decades of experience. The majority of the people um, have lots of education in architecture or history. Yes. And the talent aspect of it at times gets a little bit overshadowed by youth or um, lack of experience.
0: And- we need to yeah, it's very, it's very hard to get a, a job without some experience. And yeah. that's the frustrating thing. People are looking for somebody that has some experience. But, you know, you're an example of what somebody with a passion, enthusiasm, and dedication can do. So um, if somebody is really devoted, whatever, whatever field they want to go into, if they're that strong about it, they're going to succeed. So, um, and, you know... One of the things I was really moved by um, um, is your the way you approach um, how you treat people, how you treat your vendors and clients. Um, because I know that you have a large, it, um, social media is a big part of your career. Mm-hmm. And with all young people, it's relatively new to me. And um, your um, voice um, has empowered people and attracted a lot of young people to come to you because of your um your positive approach so how how did you learn that how did you realize what a valuable tool um that is you know that old saying
1: you get you get more bees with honey than how does it go you can catch something i get it um It was really that, you know, it's an industry where I knew from the beginning, especially through working with Ron and Jamie, that um, shit happens and we make mistakes. And the bigger you get and the more projects you have and the more people you have to hire to help you, they're going to make mistakes. And the people who can help you like fix and get through those mistakes are your trade reps, are your vendors. And if they like you, they're going to help you. If they don't, they're going to say, sorry, good luck. So, so and I,
0: as a result of that, you um, have now started a a line of your own, exactly um, tile yes. wallpaper and so forth. And these are the vendors that you have used and ha- are now supportive of you. So yes. can we talk a little bit about? I know you have a couple things to show us too, right? Yes, yes, yes. Okay.
1: So in February, so one more month, my latest plate collection is going to come out. It already sold out. So this is the plate collection. So the new batch is coming in February. These are embossed. So it's raised on above the actual plate. And these are ceramic. Mm-hmm. I created this because I love paint splatter. One of my favorite artists is Jackson Pollock. Love paint splatter. And I always wanted to have a collection of plates and dinnerware where the concept was white and you just got splashes of black paint. So that's where this came from. That was my inspiration. And the new one is gonna be black with white paint. So that's the inverse palette of this one. This collection actually happened because the owners of the company who manufactured these were really good friends of mine. And after a few years, it was like, hey, like, why, why, why don't you do your own plates? Like, what's going on? Have your own like plate line.
0: Right. And, oh, yes. Wonderful. Uh, okay. Uh, so, so uh, tell us a little bit about the wallpaper now. How the wallpaper happened.
1: I was always working with this company in New York called Bijou. They yes. manufacture paper mm-hmm. if I ever did anything custom. And they also had the classic um, corks and grass cloths and so on. So they also said one day, why don't you do your own Ryan Sagian collection? So we did, this one is called the winter, which is cork with a striae stripe going all the way across. And then behind, you can see leafing. It's either gold or silver leaf, and it just on the wall. It looks so cool whenever it's installed. Um, and you- I always make my names of my pieces in my collection, names exactly. that in a way have like a meaning to me. The wallpaper is all the streets of my favorite neighborhood in Hancock Park. Okay, Hancock Park uh-huh. where. And then the furniture collection that I have, those are named, uh, each, each name is an old Hollywood
0: icon. Okay, well, that's wonderful. And um, mm-hmm. you have a bedding line that you want to do, you, you mentioned. I'm thinking of it, but the sample kind of looks like a Dalmatian. <laughs> 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 I wanted- so w- why is it that you want, what, what is it about bedding that you want to do? What is it you want to create?
1: Oh, so my dream would be there is this fabric from Pierre Frey that mm-hmm. I signed the and it's very free handed drawings of faces. It's like um not like a toile, more like headshot, 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 headshot. Right. But a girl to a guy to a different type of girl, and it's very cool and very, very funky. And I always wanted to make bedding out of that, but it's like $500 a yard and I'm not about to go spend like $8,000 for bedding. So that is on my list. I have to just sit and illustrate it a little bit. I just haven't had any time to do so. Um, I will tell you one favorite. So I'm not allowed to fully talk about it, but I am designing a wallpaper and fabric for a very cool company They're at the PDC. I just got my first um, draft. Do you want to see it? But I can't like um, post it anywhere. It's gonna right. be my well, version.
0: Well, okay. this is gonna this is gonna go on the internet worldwide. So fine, if... it's, it's gonna be an LA twall.
1: Okay. So concept of a twall, but it's gonna have all of like the m- iconic, I I would say buildings, and then like people of LA all over right. it. Okay. I love putting these things in the patterns because if you're sitting there taking a piss and you're like stare for a few minutes, you can just stare at the wall and just see all these cool little like designs on the wall. Can you get me that roll? The one, hold up. Okay, Mark Weaver, you are the first person to see this.
0: This this is a premiere today. So. Oh, it's backwards. Sorry. That's very cool, Ryan. So. For
1: example, Malibu, Gromans Chinese Theater, Santa Monica Pier. Oh, that's great. That's brilliant. Isn't that fun? Yeah,
0: it's terrific. I like that. Very fun.
1: Oh, wait! You have to see
0: Kobe. You see Kobe? Yeah. You see Kobe? Yeah, I can.
1: So yeah, that's going to be our new one. I cannot wait for that one.
0: Okay. So I understand you're working on a very exciting project in Cabo. Yes. Are you able to talk about that at all, or is it?
1: the um, I always forget his name of the developer. Um, the developer is not my client. They're, the developer, I forgot his name. He has, basically what they're doing in Cabo is they're making a little San That's their goal. Mm-hmm. And it's going to have the Four Seasons Residences, the Four Seasons Resort, the Aman Resort, the Aman Residences, the first ever Soho House Residences. And they are also doing... Um, A few, like, high-end shopping centers like Chanel and things like that, Right. and they have 50 lots for people to buy and build their own custom homes. So one of my clients is building a home over there with me, and I'm so excited. It's incredible. It's humongous. The ocean is insane. The resort is beautiful, and that just broke ground last month, so we are in the digging
0: phase. How exciting. It's so exciting. Well, good. Congratulations. That's that's wonderful. Thank you. So Ryan, you know, one of the things, whenever we talk to an architect or a designer, one of the things that everybody always wants to know is, what does your house look like? So do you (laughs) design for yourself the same way that you design for your clients? So, Yes, the same formula, but it doesn't look the
1: same. My house actually doesn't look like a lot of my work. It's very eclectic um I have um one of my favorite pieces is my um art piece. I have an art collection that I'm slowly building up and it's a war hall that um is of Farah Palhavi, the Empress of Iran, before she was exiled I don't mm-hmm. know her. um any piece, any, it's all when you walk in, even if it's not your style, you, it's everyone who's ever walked in really likes it because of the amount of self-expression. There's a lot of it everywhere from the coasters to the art pieces to the linens and the pillows. It's very, very, very neat. I have pictures. It was in California Home and Design last month.
0: Great. Oh, well, that's... And do you collect art yourself? Tell me about what type of art. Um... Every year on my birthday, I buy myself a piece of art. I'm sorry?
1: Every year on my birthday, I buy myself a piece of art.
0: So tell us what types of things you have purchased. I
1: have a very big mix. I've got the, my first major art purchase was a um, piece by Russell Young of Bridge of our uh-huh. Dust. I'm not in particularly a big fan of Bridget Bardot, it was just the way it made me feel when I saw it. It just had that wow factor and I loved it. Then I have a Warhol of Farah Palhavi, another piece of, of Farah Palhavi by an artist in San Francisco. I have this beautiful piece by an Iranian, I love Iranian American artists, especially the contemporary ones there's an artist named Mobina Nuri and she photographs her subjects, usually females. She works a lot with the female anatomy and form. And then she writes on top of it with her, her own hand calligraphy, Rumi poetry. And I don't know if you're familiar with Rumi, but he was a philosopher and a poet from the Zoroastrian eras of Iran and, or great Persia back then. And that piece, is insane because that Farsi writing just so fluidly going all across the body of the person. I wish we were in my house
0: so I could show you. Well, maybe we can have another session sometime and you can give us a little tour through yeah. your house. My house, the house, the cleaner's here. Sylvia,
1: <laughs> it's in the <laughs>
0: <life>. <laughs> So I think we both share a love of travel also Oh, um, tell me a little bit about where you where you like to travel when you have. I mean, we're in a uh, a time now where we don't have the luxury of of traveling currently. But when you do, where do you enjoy traveling?
1: Everywhere and
0: I, wherever I can. My favorite
1: places this far have been. I loved Istanbul. I love Israel. Mm-hmm. Love London and Paris. I could go there every year. I love the South of France. It makes me feel like I'm in a movie, like on like it's like surreal. It, it literally feels like there's sparkles in the air when the sun is hitting the water, it's insane. I love, I mean, I grew up in LA, so South America, obsessed with. I'm always down for Cabo or Puerto Vallarta. Not the biggest, I haven't done Asia yet. I'm dying to go to, no, I did, I went to Korea. It was
0: cool, but it wasn't my favorite. <laughs> I want to go to Japan. Yeah, it's a wonderful country. You know, I had, um, when I was younger, I didn't have really an interest in in traveling to Asia. And my first trip there, um, I sort of explored uh, a wide range of places from Malaysia, Indonesia, Japan, Korea, and Thailand, and so forth. And it was such an eye-opener. It was very educational. I think that's what I love about travel is education. And it's so great for a designer because you get to see all these different cultures, foods, fashion, um, architecture, just everything. You know, it's, it's, it's an explosion of excitement for designers. I always take pictures of the doors, wherever I go for some uh-huh.
1: doors and balcony rails. And then I bring them back and use them as inspo, especially in Paris, like I have an album all, you know, they have the nicest doors and the door knockers.
0: Okay. So Ryan, tell us what, what is coming where's up your, in the future for you? Of all the
1: places you've been, where's your favorite place that you've
0: traveled to? I'm sorry? Of all the places
1: you've been, where's your favorite place that you've traveled to?
0: Well, you know, I'm, um, I have Italian blood, so I'd have to say my favorite country, and I've talked a lot about it, is Italy. Well, that's um, but, but like you, um, i um I love Israel, being in Jerusalem is just incredible i've been several times, really and, yeah, and Egypt was you know was an epic trip for me and there isn't there really is probably nowhere i've been that I wouldn't like to go back. I love traveling, I love exploring i it 's in my blood, so
1: I've been that I would never want to go back
0: pardon sure.
1: there's places i've gone to that I wouldn't want to go back to
0: well there's one or two, but you know. Um, it's great to see them because now you know that's not some place you want to go again. Yeah. Um, so Ryan, what's coming up in the future for you? Where where are you headed now? What's coming up in the future? I'm putting it on the universe that I would really love to
1: do a small like a boutique hotel. I would love to get my feet wet in that. You know, my thesis in college was um, a hotel. I always wanted to play around with hospitality and I've done a few things here and there with smaller hotels like revamping their rooms and their, (laughs) helping them do a few things but never a full on project where it was my own and that I was the main designer for. So that's something that's really on my list. Another thing is I really want to get my tie line in a lot more showrooms and really get it into a lot more projects I want to see people using it. Um, I want to see how different minds come up with different designs and layouts with it
0: that's really on my list too. Good. So if if somebody wants to um, discover more about Ryan, how do they go? How do they find you? Is the best way through your website? How do they get in touch so, with you? Is the best. If you actually want to get in touch with
1: me, my website, because the I, I don't really check the message requests on Instagram. Uh-huh. It pile up and sometimes it can be a little like abusive. So I just try to post my stuff and move on with my day. But if you email me through my website, I'll always see it. And if you wanna be updated with what I'm doing day to day, Instagram is the best way.
0: Great, all right. Well, Ryan, thank you. This was a lot of fun. And you for joining us today. There's a million more questions I wish we had time to go over, but perhaps next, in the future. Next time through my house. Okay, great. Anyway, thank you for joining thank us, Ryan. You. Have a good one. All, All right. right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. Enjoyed our visit with Ryan. He's a lot of fun and it's interesting to get the perspective from um, somebody young. And in two weeks, um, I've got an interesting talk with Tom Felicia. Now, um, I think it was late November, December, I was on the Insta- Tom Felicia's Instagram show. So he does, he's a designer from New York, and you probably know him from Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. So the tables are going to be turned, and this time he's going to be my guest. He's a lot of fun, and he's very interesting, and that's going to be on February 5th. So please join us, and thank you for, again for joining us today, and we look forward to seeing you again. Goodbye from designers at home. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Designers at Home. Follow us on Instagram at Mark Weaver and Associates to listen to live or subscribe to this podcast. If you found this podcast valuable and insightful, share it with your friends, comment, and subscribe. We are also on YouTube at Mark Weaver and Associates. Thank you.